this is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Desi Kodis, Chief Pharmacy Executive for UCSF and Vice Dean of Clinical Affairs for the UCSF School of Pharmacy. Dr. Kodis, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Laura, and please call me Desi. It's really great to be here with you today. Well, excellent. And Desi, I am excited for this conversation because I know, you know, you've got a great uh, experience behind you and a lot of insights um, for our audience talking about how healthcare is changing and evolving and what you're doing at UCSF uh, to really, you know, be a great care provider for your community. But before we dive into the broader questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I uh, am born and bred in Chicago, Illinois, so the home base for Becker's and um, lived my entire life in Chicago up until a few years ago, moving here to San Francisco. So my background is I went to pre-pharmacy school at the University of Illinois in lovely Champaign-Urbana. I did my pharmacy school training, both my bachelor's and my PharmD at the University of Illinois in Chicago. Completed my uh, pharmacy practice residency at Northwestern Memorial Hospital, also in Chicago, spent my entire career, uh, over 35 years at Northwestern from my residency to uh, practicing clinical pharmacy in oncology, uh, becoming a supervisor, a manager, and the director of pharmacy there, um, which I was uh, the leader in pharmacy at Northwestern for both the downtown campus and when... um, we merged with Lake Forest, the, the North Campus, for over 12 years. And then, uh, you know, it was a pivot point pre-pandemic, believe it or not. Uh, this opportunity at University of California, San Francisco, was one that needed to look at. It was um, a larger role. Um, it was the most contemporary, and I still think maybe one of the most contemporary org structures for uh, pharmacy enterprises in health system. Uh, with this chief pharmacy executive role where I have um, a chief pharmacy officer, uh, assistant chiefs, and then system and site directors cascading in our org structure, uh, which, you know, uh, a pharmacy enterprise in a health system is really a business within a business, needs a lot of expertise that truly takes a village, as the saying goes. And, um was something needed, I needed to look at and um, accepted that role in January of 2020. The other real enticing piece was the pharmacy school piece. Uh, University of California, San Francisco is very well respected, one of the best. And, you know, of course, I'm biased, even though I went to Illinois, that the University of California, San Francisco school is a top, not the top school in the country. So having uh, students and other trainees like residents and fellows really uh, gets me up in the morning and um, is something I'm very passionate about is our future generation of practitioners and leaders. So 
a great opportunity and the right time. So I um, was fortunate to start here in May of 2020. I highly recommend moving across the country uh, during a, a pandemic. So it was quite quite the time uh, to make the change, but have really uh, learned a lot and I'm really, really excited to keep uh, moving forward here. That's great to hear. And you know what, now considering where you're at um, today with UCSF, what are your top priorities right now? What are you really spending most of your time on? So uh, we're looking at growth. I mean, that is really huge here at UCSF. Probably saw the announcement that we have two um, more hospitals coming into our system here in the city. We need beds. We need acute care beds. We also are growing in ambulatory care. So when you look at pharmacy, obviously the pipeline of most of the, um, the medications are either outpatient infusion, like the Alzheimer drugs that you see in the news quite a bit right now, or many of the self-administered oral or self-injected medications like Dupixident that you see on, on the news all the time, advertised you know, for various uh, conditions. Um, so really focused on growth, so specifically those uh, you know, areas where our pharmacists and pharmacy technicians are taking care of patients on the ambulatory side, either seeing them in the clinic like our cancer center or our neurology uh, group or our psychiatric group, and then also um, talking to those patients by video or televisits to making sure they are adhering to their medications, they are uh, maintained on the proper dosing, they uh, are uh, also looked at for any interactions or side effects. and that really um, going back to grassroots pharmacy practice and that our patients know their names of their pharmacists and, and or their pharmacy technicians. So growth um, with respect to ambulatory care drugs, whether it's on the infusion side or the uh, self-administered oral side. We also are strategic planning for um, home infusion and the appropriate site of care for patients to receive their care. So whether it's um, an infusion in their home, in, in one of our other uh, appropriate sites of care, like an infusion share um, in, in a home infusion center or potentially in one of our infusion suites uh, versus somebody being admitted to the hospital or in our hospital-based infusion centers. So that's another place that we're looking at. So really retail specialty pharmacy growth, home infusion growth, um, specialty infusion growth, like I mentioned, you know, some of the neuro infusion growth. And then um, last but not least, our cellular and genetic therapies. So uh, CAR-T uh, therapy will probably increase up to 50% at our organization alone. So some of these cellular therapies, some of these therapies for pediatrics, we have two big Pediatric hospitals, we have the Benahoff Children's Hospital in Oakland and in San Francisco, and many of these uh, drugs are one-and-done drugs where, you know, an infant or child is infused once. So we're looking um, quite a bit at that, and also uh, the genomics, the pharmacogenomics program that we launched, largest in California, 
one of the most unique programs in the U.S. where our pharmacists, uh, either at the bedside, in the hospital, or at the clinic side or home side, are interpreting what is the most appropriate uh, medication of a class for that patient, knowing their their genetic profile. So, for example, an antiplatelet drug, there's a group of drugs. One may be uh, better utilized in my body versus your body, Laura. So that's another really great thing that we're, um, we just launched our program live in May and we're continuing to grow and market. That's amazing to hear. And really, it sounds like on the cutting edge of what medicine is able to do. And, and I love throughout that response, you talking about how technology is boosting um, the the pharmacy and the teams that you're leading, as well as helping you get back to that grassroots of, of pharmacy and just really being able to connect with um, patients and those that you're serving. From your perspective, when you look at the pharmacogenomics programs, uh, what does it take to stand something like that up? And, and really, you know, what are some of the I guess, early results, if you're able to um, talk through anything that you're noticing just from the, the early days of the program. Sure. So, um, you know, we uh, had quite a bit of infrastructure on the research side. So on the School of Pharmacy side, researchers, uh, one gentleman, PharmD, PhD, who was leading the, his research lab, a physician leader, uh, MD, PhD, who was in a lab, and everything was being done on the research end, but not brought to the patient, you know, to front and center. And so, you know, we really had to take and bi-directionally, you know, between research to, you know, the patient, and then now we're going to do patient to research to see what we're learning so we can obviously enhance the program. So, you know, the big barriers are who's going to pay for this testing. You only need to test once. You know, so you're, if you're a child, you know, this, this does, your genetic makeup doesn't really change, right? So you only test once. But who's going to pay for it? Is the insurer going to pay for it? Who's going to do the test? You send the test out. We were very fortunate to have our own lab to analyze the test results. So the barrier of the payer was one that we needed to solve. You know, again, a lot of questions we get now from other organizations is, can we use your lab for our testing? Because it's a send out, it's more expensive. You know, we're, we're, we are um, using our own lab. And then there's the technology, Laura, as you described, that's, that's a big part of it. So our, our physician in charge of health informatics also uh, was the third um, the third leg of the stool. So it was our PhD, um, PharmD, our PhD, MD, and then our MD informaticist, and then one of um, our um, assistant chief pharmacy officers under me, who also is the clinical chair of pharmacy practice at the school. She was the one that sort of brought the, you know, built the stool, you know, and the three-legged stool, and we went off from there. So we had to make sure this was embedded in our electronic health record and how all of this gets done and what do we start with? You know, we don't want to boil the ocean, but I think we're at, I think, almost 70 uh, gene and drug pairs um, that are validated with, um, you know, obviously evidence-based tools. So um, then you roll it out 
to a big organization of providers and pharmacists. And, you know, we do have, you know, the main folks that are the super users or the consultants, but really this is not meant to be a consulting service, and that's what many others do. Uh, this is meant to be, we are, you know, every pharmacist uh, taking care of a patient in a clinic or at the bedside can interpret these results with their providers, whether it's an advanced practice nurse, a PA, or a physician. So um, some of the things we've learned uh, early on is how can we uh, fine-tune some of the tools needed, especially in these pediatric populations that are very, very specific. So we're working on those enhancements right now. But it will be good to see the data, and maybe we'll present it at a future Becker's meeting. That would be amazing. We'd love to have that uh, information, those outcomes um, presented, and, and especially to share with the broader audience of hospital health system executives. So um, definitely keep us in mind as time goes on. Now, you know, on a more broader sense, how do you see the health system overall evolving in the next two to three years or so? I can imagine there's a lot of different things going on in addition to what we've talked about already. Uh, what do you see as being different in a few years or so? So growth and volume and expansion of whether it's acute care beds, behavioral health services. You know, we have a, a very large uh, homeless population, as you know, here in San Francisco. Um, so those most vulnerable, those who, you know, um, obviously are the most diverse, you know, have showing the most equitable um, and, and affordable care. So how do we become more effective, more efficient? So UCSF grew from a, you know, a hospital in a big city, you know, up on a hill that was very research focused and within 10 years has boomed into this very, very large system. And, you know, think, thinking in a systematic way, no pun intended, but we are systematizing everything from our data and analytics to our human resources, to our, our financials, to our supply chain. Of course, pharmacy is in there. Other services like diagnostics, laboratory, and radiology are in there as well. So really looking at this in a systematic way and using the data. Um, data doesn't lie. Uh, data is powerful. You know, how do we really look at things from a very data-driven way? I mean, we've been evidence-based and, you know, research-focused and really putting the center at the center of our care. I mean, those are our pride values here at UCSF. But that said, looking at whether it's our hospital in Oakland, our, our site in Walnut Creek, which is a suburb, Berkeley, San Mateo on the peninsula, and then obviously our multiple locations in San Francisco. Systematizing all of this um, in a, a very efficient, effective way. Having proper throughput. You know, in our plans for our, our vision and mission as UCSF for 2025, we're working on the 2030 mission. We're really looking at tertiary and quaternary care. We also need the primary care to support those tertiary and quaternary care patients. So again, throughput, 
you know, length of stay, all those things that have changed a bit now that we're um, coming out of a true pandemic condition. That really makes a lot of sense. And definitely, you know, it's helpful to see and understand how you break it down and, and make sure that you're getting everything done that needs to get done, um, you know, to to have some of the, these great services and programs that you're talking about. Well, as you mentioned, too, I know there's a lot of um, challenges and factors out there in the healthcare space. And so it, it's great to see that you're able to troubleshoot that and really, um, you know, systematize, as you were talking about, um, to get things ready to go and, and propel forward for your 2025 plan. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I'm wondering what is one change that you or your team has made in the last year or so that's yielded really great results? Well, you know, we don't have the results, although we have, you know, the system in place and, and we'll, we're analyzing, you know, piece by piece the, uh, the pharmacogenomics um, to the patient level. I mean, that's one that we're really, really proud of uh, as a large team. Also being able to grow and support more patients in areas where um, there are these very um, high-risk drugs, high-cost drugs, very high-touch patients, you know, whether they're in oncology or GI or immunology, you know, that we um, are bringing our pharma techs and our pharmacists into the fold to manage these uh, complex patients who, you know, maybe on 10 to 15 other medications. Um, one of the things we don't highlight, and I want to highlight here, I mean, we do sometimes, we do highlight this internally, but one of the things that people don't talk about as much, and I think we should talk about it more, is the patient assistance that we provide. Um, we've got, and this is a very young, young team, it's, it's less than three years old, uh, a small team of, of, of pharmacy techs, uh, pharmacy techs lead this, um, and, and they really get either free drug or, you know, discounted drug, you know, coupons, depending on if the patient is, um, you know, um, an undocumented citizen of the U.S., or underinsured, um, and we did about $50 million worth of care in this last fiscal year. We just closed our fiscal year in June, so I think we were 49 and change million in actual, you know, what it would have cost the patient to pay for either an infusion or an oral self-administered injectable drug with a very small team who's got, you know, a big heart, you know, how do we care for those that can't afford these uh, very high-cost therapies? And, you know, I think that is just one of our shining jewels out there um, that, you know, 50 million uh, in one year with, a, you know, with way more to go and more expansion. So I, I, um, I do want to focus on that great team. I love it. Desi, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fascinating and, and fun conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks, Laura. It's my pleasure. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way. Becker's Healthcare has launched My BHC. 
It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.